Okay, so we're rolling into another episode of the podcast, and my guest today is uh, is Jason Parker. And so, uh, Jay, wanna for for those who may not know you, and I I don't know, I don't, I think all of North America knows you, but uh, <laughs> in case there are a few people out there who don't who don't know who you are, why don't you why don't you tell us uh, like what, what your where you're at, what your current ministry role is, and we'll go from there. Yeah, sounds great. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Jason, and as Mike said, and I currently serve um, at Woods Harbor Western Church as a lead pastor there, and I also serve as the campus pastor at Coastal Church, and uh, I live in the south shore of Nova Scotia in a community called Barrington and the kind of Barrington area, and so, yeah, I've been here for almost four years now. Yeah, and so we'll get... Uh... We'll get kind of get back to that in a minute, but uh, I guess it would be really good context just to to hear your story a little bit, just your uh, like what's your what's your spiritual background, what's your yeah. what's your history with the Lord. I know that plays that plays into your ministry a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, in a lot of ways, like <laughs> I'm a spiritual mutt because <laughs> like I had so much different experiences with different flavors of the church. Um, I grew up like in the Catholic Church, and so. I grew up learning about God and learning about Jesus. Um, but then uh, when I was 12 years old, I went to the forbidden church in town <laughs> and it was like a Pentecostal church. And I really, at 12 years old, <laughs> I experienced the Holy spirit and it was literally the forbidden church. Like I wasn't allowed to go there. Um, but I had a real encounter with the Holy spirit at 12. Um, but then through my teenage years, I mean, there was, there was no one else my age following Jesus. And I got into partying and drugs and drinking and just living a very, uh, rebellious lifestyle away from the Lord. And uh, yeah, I just kind of didn't follow him at all. But the whole time I was kind of in those teenage years, I, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit was working on my heart, convincing me that, you know, there's more to life than this, convincing me that the lifestyle choices I was making was very wrong. And I just came to the point where I was like, man, I just, I need to give my life back over to Jesus. And then when I was, when I was 18 years old, I kind of, the Lord like miraculously delivered me from a drug addiction from I used to smoke every day I used to drink and party and do all kinds of stuff that's not good and Jesus kind of just radically delivered me set me free and so how did, how did that happen Jay describe that a little bit because that's uh, yeah pe people yeah. hear that but they're like what what how does that work yeah so it, it's hard to explain but basically um I was two months before my graduation I used to have all the parties at my house and I used to be the big party guy in my high school and then um, the Holy Spirit just came in and I was so convicted and convinced that my lifestyle needed to change and that I needed to really shift. And I was half scared of my consequences, to be honest. I was convinced that, and I think that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit actually convinces us that our lifestyle choices are wrong. And the Holy Spirit convinces us that if we continue on a certain trajectory, there's going to be major consequences. And for me, that was enough incentive for me to say, okay, something dramatic needs to change. And so the Holy Spirit just gave me the desire. I just need to be different. And so uh, in that moment, God just set me free from, like, I lost the desire to smoke. I lost the desire to drink. I lost the desire to use profane language. And I lost the desire to do all the stuff in relationships I was doing that was wrong. Like, it just, like, God literally just took, took changed my desires. It's just amazing and supernatural in a lot of ways. But that's just what happened. I just was a different person. Yeah, as a as a spiritual mutt myself, I totally I totally get that. And uh, and I, what I often find is people people kind of lean in when you when you talk about the supernatural, they kind of go, yeah, but what really happened? Like what really were? And you're like, 
No, it actually was Jesus. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, exactly. I don't have another explanation. Yeah, there's no other explanation. Like I'm literally supernatural intervention. So the first time I met you uh, was was in connection with Harvest House when I first yeah. started taking teams to Harvest House. So so how did you end up going from like going from Nova Scotia to yeah to ending up at Harvest House in in Moncton, New Brunswick? Yeah. So like that's so providential. Like so here I am like. 18 years old, just accepted Jesus, don't know a thing about following him, um, and no one to disciple me around at all. And so God sends a mission team into my town on their day off, frankly, and they came to my town sharing the gospel and telling people about Jesus. And two things happened there. One, I got connected. It was a team from Harvest House, and I got connected with that team at Harvest House. But I also felt like God called me in that moment, like I saw what they were doing, how they were sharing the gospel and telling and, and sharing their faith. And I was like, man, I, I'm called to do this. Like I felt something like come alive in me. And so then I moved to Harvest House and that's really where I got discipled. Like I, I showed up at Harvest House. I mean, I was no longer an addict, but it might as well have been because I was such a dysfunctional, messed up, broken person. And I needed, I needed to be discipled. I needed healing. I needed restoration. I needed to know my identity in Jesus. Like I was a mess when I showed up at Harvest House. And that's where really honestly, I was discipled um, and poured into and, and invested in. And so that's kind of how we get connected to Harvest House and started serving at the homeless shelter there and, and uh, kind of get connected there. So that's kind of the connection there. Yeah. And I, I remember even like I can, I remember even just like seeing the change from when I first met you there, when you were, you were, you were kind of along the way, but I, you know, I could see the, often when people meet you now, like they're, you're like, you're so positive and so encouraging and, and just basically like so together that they they think you're exaggerating or they don't believe like when you when you tell them like how dysfunctional you were and yeah. uh, and yeah. and so it, you know when when I look when I look at you like I see the work of God like it's a visible mm -hmm. it's a visible God. tangible tangible thing and mm -hmm. uh, which I think which I think we need a little more of. Uh, mm. <laughs> I think we need to kind of see that a little, a little bit more. Uh, one of the, one of the things that I've noticed about you, Jay, is that you really, you really take advantage of, of uh, mentors in, in, in your life. Like I've seen you, I've seen you kind of go through uh, like a number of mentors and, uh, and kind of, and, and I mean this in a positive way, but like be be like a sponge and, and it's like, well, this person has something that I can learn from. And then you like soak that up. And then the, in the next phase of your growth, uh, you know, that person might not have what you need for the next phase. And so so there's another mentor that comes into the picture. And so I know I know at Harvest House, like Cal was a uh, was a huge influence there. Huge. Yeah. And and so after how long did you spend at, at Harvest House? Basically, you, you ended up working there. Yeah, so uh, I was there for about two years. And uh, Cal and Randy, um, both of them were huge mentors in my life. Just um, and so they like Randy really helped me walk through a lot of my dysfunction, learning my identity in Christ, learning how to walk in victory in my thought life, like all the foundational stuff that we need in our discipleship. Um, Randy was huge in that. And Cal really just called out the giftings in me and gave me opportunity. Both of them did, but that's kind of where Cal was uniquely gifted. He saw way back then stuff in me that no one else really saw. And those things that he saw are still true to today. Like there's stuff that I still walk in because he recognized it and called it out to me and gave me opportunity. 
And yeah, one so, of the, one of the things I notice about Cal is that like he he sees things in people and he takes risks on them that he does that others <laughs> wouldn't take. He does. Because, yeah. And and I've noticed that same. I think that got passed on to you uh, because yeah. I've seen you do exactly the same thing. They're they're you know you you trust somebody with something and everybody else is going really like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you 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 can see deeper into the person and what's there. Yeah, and frankly, I I need it. I needed to have the opportunity to have an opportunity and fail. And I know that's risky as a leader and you don't want to always put people in high leverage situations for failure, but that is a key part of my philosophy of ministry. And sometimes it might get me in trouble as a leader, but uh, I just value developing other people so much that to me, it is worth the risk sometimes, but it, it, it can get me in trouble from time to time. Like it did Cal, to be honest, I'm sure there's times that he set people in the leadership. He's like, Oh, maybe not. But but to me, like I just I value that whole idea of reproducing and developing people and investing in other people. Yeah, my philosophy is like if if it works seventy five percent, eighty percent of the time, like it's worth it's worth take taking the risk, right? Yeah. Like if you yeah. you know if you're if you if you're if you're down below fifty, you might want to you know revisit your giftings or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'd say too, Mike. Like I'd say too, like uh, it, it is it is crazy to me that I look back on my walk. Like there's always been a time that the Lord's had a mentor in my life. And I just find that crazy to me. Like, even when I was at Kingswood, Mike, like you provided so many awesome opportunities I never would have had. And like, I consider you a mentor and even you, some of those things you've spoken in my life. And so I do look back at my life and I just, for whatever reason, I praise God for it because it's one of the greatest blessings I've had. I've always had people that have spoken into my life, that have given me opportunity, um, that have helped call out the giftings in me that most of all, like have believed in me. And that's been a game changer. And I actually showed up at Kingswood. When I showed up at Kingswood, I was so grieved because I was like, I see all these students and so many of them had not been mentored. And it kind of broke my heart, if I can be honest. I know it's a little bit candid for me to say that to a Kingswood prop. No, but, no. And, but, and it sometimes uh, like one of the things that I, I noticed the difference between students, like I've got a guy in his first year right now and he's just like, he reminds me of you actually, like he'll, he, all I have to do is basically let him out of the band and ministry happens. But, but every, every chance he gets, he's jumping in shotgun riding with me and asking me questions. Uh, and then there are other students that are there. They just got other things on their mind and they're like, they don't ever take that opportunity. And so I think it's a, it's, it's kind of a two-edged thing. There's the there, there's the mentors part, but then there's also the person, the person has to kind of want it and, and search for it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so what, what compelled you to come from Harvest House and end up at Kingswood? Like, what was the, what was that, that was journey another, about? That was another mentor. So when I was in Windsor, I was youth pastoring in Windsor, Nova Scotia for three years. And I loved it. Like I was in an awesome space, love my church, love my community. And like our youth group was growing, like we were had, had some good things happening, but my pastor had the foreknowledge to just know that if Jason's going to be effective long-term and reach his potential, he needs to get some training. And Wensel McLeod was his name. And he just really encouraged me like, Jason, you need to be thinking long-term, you need your ax to be sharpened for if you want to experience long-term ministry. And so he really encouraged me to go to uh, Kingswood. And I had a, a lady from my church that basically paid almost my whole ride there. And it was mirac another miraculous situation and God just confirmed it. And that's kind of how I ended up coming to coming to Kingswood. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it, it often comes down to one or two people, doesn't it? Like they, they can make such a difference in our lives. Crazy. Like I, I had a guy, 
really young in my Christian life, there was a there was a guy named Larry who was a couple years older than me. He was just like speaking literally all over North America, and and uh, he he saw something in me that others didn't see apparently, and so he just started. He didn't even tell me. Like he just started every time he couldn't take a speaking engagement somewhere, he would give them my name without any explanation. And so I started getting these calls from all over the place. And I was like, what is going on here? Uh, and it was just, it was just that one guy who like, who uh, decided that, uh, that he was going to be that person for me. And so, uh, so those, those people are invaluable kind of, kind of moving through. And I know that, I know that you've become that person for, uh, for a lot of people that are, you know, are a few years, few years younger than you. So it's good to see that, that kind of, uh, passing on. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, like the vision for coastal. Cause I know yeah. that's uh, kind of where your, your passion lies right now. You've, you're, you're all swagged out there in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the coastal gear as, yeah. as we speak. So uh, give us a little bit of the kind of the, the vision for what you see for coastal. Yeah, man, it's been, it's been crazy what God's done there and it hasn't all been easy. Um, like I, I didn't, I didn't take any church planning classes by the way, when I did my undergrad or my master's degree, um, and so I really, in a lot of ways, had no idea what I was doing. And so as a young leader, I made sure I made lots of mistakes on the way, but God is gracious and surrounded, it with, surrounded us with an awesome team, awesome leaders. And uh, the Ironmouth Wesleyan and AJ were there to kind of help. And because of the team that God brought around and God's favor, we've seen God do some incredible things at Coastal over the last year and a half. We're a church plant that's only a year and a half old. And uh, yeah, we've seen this like two weeks ago, um, the 40th person um, accepted Jesus at Coastal over the last year and a half. And uh, we've seen 22 people baptized. And like right before, we were, we're in a lockdown right now in our province, but two weeks ago, we were like, what are we going to do to find space for a third service? Because we were having to turn people away. Like, it's just like, and it's like, it's like, people from all the and, and this and this isn't an area where that i mean you, we're not talking about like texas or no like a a bible belt community where everybody just automatically goes to church this is a this is a fairly unusual thing to see on the south shore of nova scotia yeah it's like so six thousand people within a 30 minute radius and there's the amount of like unchurched people like like the, I love it every time someone says, I can't believe that person came to church. And I like, every time someone says that, I was like, yes, Lord, we're winning. Like, like I just so because that's really our heart. Our heart starting coastal was we wanted to be a church to reach the church. That was really our vision and, and praise be to Jesus. We are actually seeing that. And we're seeing those people come in and get saved and experience radical transformation. Like there's this uh, high school kid, he's 16 years old. He said to me a few months ago, he said, and I just, I, it moves me a little bit, but he's like, I can't believe how different my dad is like stories like that. Just to me, that's what the gospel is really all about. It's all about seeing authentic transformation. And I just give God praise. Cause I know there's some people that are faithful in what they do. They slug their guts out for years and they don't see some of that fruit. And for whatever reason, God has blessed us with some amazing fruit. And it's just been like, I just shake my head, man. Like, I'm like, God, what on earth are you doing here? Like, it's just so crazy. It's so cool. It's so exciting. Yeah. So you and, guys, uh, you guys started out in a school, right? Yeah, we started in school and we were like, we were like, man, like if we get 40 people, like this would be awesome. If we get 40 people the first night and in the middle of a snowstorm, 
we had 189 people show up. Wow. And we're like, holy smokes. <laughs> we're like, what is going on here? And uh, our first year before the pandemic, like we were averaging 200 people on a, in a very rural community. And so, and yeah, which um, would be, which would be the equivalent of a mega church in the community that you're talking about. I mean, for, it, sure, it's real, for sure. Real, way, way, uh, way bigger numbers than, than other churches in the area for sure. Yeah. So it's been, it's been, it's been exciting and awesome and challenging and learning and everything in between, but man, oh man, it's just been, it's been awesome what God's done. Yeah, and you 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 kind of mentioned that Nova Scotia is in a lockdown right now, and so uh, so how what what creative? I I know that I know that you don't really take no for an answer. You you tend to be somebody who, if the, if the door is locked, you find a window. And so, what, <laughs> how are you guys navigating that? How are you? Yeah, yeah. I was actually it? yeah. So I was in a staff meeting because because those of you that don't know like. Uh, Coastal is like part of one church in two locations, soon to be three locations. So Yarmouth Wesleyan Church and Coastal are two two sites, um, and we're one church combined together. So we're one team. And so we were at staff meeting last week, and we were just like, and I said this to the staff last week. I said I love that our team doesn't roll over. Like it's it'd be easy just to coast and say, all right, we're in a lockdown. There's not much we can do. But I love that our team is like, no, we have to do something. There's there's still ways we can still do ministry, even though our ministries are shut down. And so. We just prayed about coming up with a plan of, of, of what, what can we do now? And uh, the Lord kind of helped us with that. And like last night, this blows me away. Last night, um, we're teaching a spiritual formation class at Coastal and 37 people show up online on Zoom. And they're like, to me, that shows me like 37 people show up for a spiritual formation class tells me that, man, there's a desire for people to actually grow and go deeper. And yeah, and the fact that you're doing a spiritual formation class is is uh, it, it, that doesn't happen in every church, but I'm I'm totally convinced that those kinds of things are key in seeing transformation. Yeah, yeah. So so those are some of the things we're we're doing. I mean, we're doing the whole digital church again, um, and uh, just you know trying to do some different things to help people be connected. But those are kind of the we're, we're not, we don't want to do a whole bunch of different things. We just want to do a few things and do them well and help provide us provide a sense of community. Because the biggest thing right now people need is just a sense of community. They need just a sense of connection because they're not able to have that right now physically. And so that's kind of one of the goals. And that's why I think so many people hopped on last night is we're like, man, like I need connection with people. And so. Yeah. And, and just, just because we can't do everything doesn't mean we shouldn't do something. And so I think, you know, I think just looking just always looking at like what is what can we do not right. not what are we losing what can't we do right now right but but trying to stay trying to stay focused on on there there is something that that the Lord will allow us to do right now and, that's right uh, that's and right. so what you know what is that and how can we how can we do it well yeah so you you mentioned you mentioned the uh, kind of the idea of uh, explain a little bit the the idea of uh, churches partnering and and being a movement for the area rather than just uh, kind of working individually because I think that is that's something unique that God is doing right now in the Maritimes. Uh, when yeah. I think of Kings or when I think of when I think of the South Shore of Nova Scotia, it seems like there's a lot more partnering partnering cooperation like whatever you want to yeah. call it there's like yeah. more of a it's more of a movement than just an yeah. church thing yeah yeah which i which i love 
Um, I got no desire to do an individual church thing. I have, <laughs> I have tons of passion to be part of a movement. I'm all about the movement. Um, and like just huge credit to AJ. I, I don't think that guy gets enough credit, frankly. Like he came down with a vision and he immediately started working with other churches and it wasn't easy. And he just had a passion and he still does have a passion to just partner with other churches and support other churches and do whatever he can. And so that's kind of where that all came from. That was really his vision to see churches come together. If we just kind of all lower our individual flags and raise one flag together for the sake of the gospel. And I mean, right before the pandemic hit, we had did a Mariner Center event in Yarmouth, but Yarmouth itself is only a community of 6,000 people, 7,000 people. And we did an event there and 2,200 people came and they had to shut down like the main road in Yarmouth because so many people showed up. And yeah, that's a pretty good chunk together. of the population, right? Like, that's huge. <laughs> and that was right before the pandemic started. And then, um, and then you know, last Good Friday, our churches came together um, and we put on a Good Friday service and that uh, just for the community and for people online, a digital service. And, and so we've, and we've done Love Week and stuff together. And it's just, it's just like when we can just lay down our own preferences and our own agenda and realize that we're on the same team. We love one another. We can see past some of our differences. Like we can accomplish so much more for the kingdom. And I, I just celebrate that that's what God's doing and that he is creating a real sense of authentic community amongst churches and leaders for those that kind of desire that and want that. And I just, I just think God's going to do stuff through it. Cause I, you know, the Bible talks about how God commands his blessing when brothers dwell together in unity. He really does. And uh, so we're seeing some of those things and it's just been awesome to be part of. Yeah. And you are, uh, you're kind of moving. I know you've been, you've been, uh, you know, apart from like having a, uh, having a young family and everything else you do, you've been partner, you've been pastoring two churches, which uh, sounds, sounds pretty busy. Uh, and I know you're, you're kind of moving into just kind of focusing on coastal. Like, so what's your, yeah. what's your vision, vision like for the future for, for the movement yeah. for coastal. Yeah, I mean, that's super exciting. I mean, like we're set up in Teardam right now and it's been no secret. We haven't hid that, the idea that like one day, like we'd like to be in a, in a permanent space, obviously. And we haven't really shied away from that or that's not been some backroom conversation. Like we've been upfront about that. Like set up in Teardam for all my church planning brothers and sisters, uh, <laughs> it gets old really fast. <laughs> like, and it, it's awesome because it does create a sense of community, but, but people. Well, yeah. When, I mean, I was, space. when I was with you, it was like October, November, whatever, when I was down, uh, yeah. down in the South shore, like I was amazed at, uh, like after church was over, uh, you know, kind of tearing everything down, putting it in a big trailer. I was amazed at like the, the sense of team and the number oh, of young man. volunteers and the, yeah. the team that, and so that's the positive side, but, but the negative side is like when on your fifth year of doing that, yeah. it does, it does get a bit old, right? When I think too, even the community, the people that are late adopters that haven't checked your church out yet, people that have been on the edge that want, that maybe really, really want to buy in. But when, when you're doing setup and tear down, they're just like, are they just going to fizzle out another year or two, which I know we're not going to. And everyone that attends our church knows that this is so much bigger than just a one and done, but they want to see something a little bit more concrete. And I get that. And so I think, I, I do think it is important that eventually have like a home. And so that's kind of, that's kind of like, hopefully over the next, you know, number of years, we can kind of get that settled and find a space and, and have a home and, uh, and just keep doing what we're doing, keep growing and, and, uh, um, seeing more and more people come to Jesus and seeing more people changed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and the, the, I think the, the tricky part of that for, for most people is to, 
because when you when you're if you're building a church or what you know a building or whatever you get so focused on that and right. it takes a lot of time and energy and and so the tricky part is is to is to be able to do that but still keep that still keep the spirit of a movement rather than yeah. uh, right. rather than a building or like right. an institutional kind of right. approach to things so right uh, but right. i have great confidence that you'll be able to do that jay uh, yeah thanks, so it's just somehow keeping the focus on on the main thing like on yeah. on people and on uh and on transformation so so if you uh i think transformation is a great uh a great word and uh and, and i think if there's anything that if I had to pick a word that kind of marked your your ministry, like your what, what I what I see, uh, both when I was up close when you when you were here, and also uh, just kind of looking from afar as, as like that seems to that always seems to me to have been your end goal. Like it's, it's like actually seeing people transform, mm -hmm. not settling for like a goal that's that's less than that. Yeah. So what would you what would you say would be like the if you had to pick like a key thing? uh in seeing people transform like what's the what's the key thing in that you think yeah yeah i think i think letting people hear receive and experience the whole gospel so like like i i think sometimes we truncate the gospel and make the gospel just like forgiveness of sins which it's that and like forgiveness of sins is amazing like straight up like the moment you accept christ god forgives you for everything you've ever done wrong but that is literally just the doorway into the whole salvation experience. Like Christ offers us total transformation, restoration, purpose, meaning, destiny. Like, like the, what the gospel offers to us is unreal. <laughs> and I feel like people need to hear the whole gospel and realize that what Christ did at the cross and through his resurrection, and because we have the Holy Spirit, like God offers us total transformation. Like the Bible promises that we actually are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And so I think people need to hear and experience and in and, and a convincing, compelling, passionate way that there's more to the gospel than just forgiveness of sins. I think that is the key. Yeah. And uh, even people's concept of grace, like there, there's a verse, uh, I can't quote exactly where it's at right now. I could look it up, but, but there, there is a verse that says that, that the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness mm -hmm. and uh and i think most people think grace is just god winking at sin and going well you can't help it so you know i want to hold right. you accountable for but but grace right. is grace is a force it's so much yeah. it's so much more than that and right. uh, i think one of the one of the advantages of being a spiritual mutt like coming kind of like out of left field not really growing up in the church world is that uh like the concept like like I am not, I don't go to, like, I'm not involved in the church for social reasons or because of any tradition. Like if, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, I'm out, I'm gone. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I want the whole thing. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not staying for, I'm not staying because I like the church culture or anything like yeah, that. No. Right. Like it's, no. it's, it's gotta be the, it's gotta be the whole gospel. And yeah. uh, so, uh, and uh, one of the things I love about what you're doing at Coastal is like you are actually, uh, you are you are not just stopping at, I, I don't really think that there is a separation between like evangelism and discipleship. Like Amen. I really think it's all, 
I really think it's one uh, like Jesus just said, go and make disciples. That's the yeah. great commission. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things I appreciate about what, what you and the other leaders at coastal are doing is that you're, you're actually uh, like, you're crazy enough to, to like offer classes as if people were in Bible college yes. and, uh, and, and you're actually it. saying, we are going to, we are going to intentionally disciple people. Yes. We're not just going to yeah. let them pick up a few things on Sunday and, and hope that it all fits together somewhere down the line. Like we're going to, we're going to intentionally walk them, walk them through this. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, when you, when, when you go deep, you can, you can go a lot higher. And yes, uh, exactly. And, Mike, I had a guy, I had a guy, a really strong believer who's been a Christian for a while. Um, so we offered an old Testament class and a new Testament class, which people were super engaged with. We had great turnouts in the fall, in the fall and winter. And I had a guy, and it, it, it kind of moves my heart a little bit too. You know, that's how I'm wired. But like he said to me, he said to me, he said, where was this stuff 30 years ago? And that just broke my heart. And I'm like, here was a guy when he first got saved with a passion to go deeper. And, and this isn't, I don't want to sound like I'm giving an indictment to church because people do that way too much. But I'm like, here was a guy who had a passion and hunger. Who knows? He could have been called into ministry, but he didn't have the pathway to actually go deeper, even though he desired to. And I think there's so many people that just desire to go deeper. And I think that's like, that's why we have people that are so shallow. Sometimes we blame people for being shallow. I think that's partly on us as leaders to actually provide ways for those that want to go deeper, to have opportunity to go deeper. And uh, so anyways, that kind of like bothered me when he said, like, it made me encouraged that he was experiencing some, something a little bit deeper, but it kind of bothered me like, here was a guy 30 years ago that said, I wish I had had this back then. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I, I, I like to read broadly and I'm always searching for like weird, weird stories and, and things. And there was, uh, there was this, uh, there was this experiment in the, in the 1990s called Biosphere 2. And it was basically scientists like wanted to create this domed and controlled environment where, where, uh, where they could, they could like observe everything under very controlled conditions. And, and so they, so, so they built this like multi-million dollar thing. And then, and, and then, and then with their, the trees that they had in there grew really fast, but they would, they wouldn't grow to like, they wouldn't grow to, uh, to their full potential. They would get about three quarters of the way through and then they would fall over. And, and like nobody could figure out, they couldn't figure out why these trees were falling over. And then, and they finally figured out that there was no, there was no wind in the biodome. And, and when trees have wind that blows against them, they form this stuff called stress bark Mm. and the stress bark makes the tree stronger and, and it encourages the tree to grow its roots deeper. Oh, so and, and so, and I was like, wow, that's exactly what, that's exactly what we're doing in church. Sometimes we're like, we're making everything so comfortable and so easy and yeah. spoon feeding people. But yeah. then we wonder why they're, we wonder why they're not reaching their potential and why they're falling over when, when hard times hit. Right. And, uh, right. and so we've got to, we've got to like uh, have those, those challenges in there too. the, we've got to help them to navigate the the challenges to their faith and uh and kind of teach them teach them some deeper stuff so that when the yeah. 
you know, when the when the wind is blowing off the ocean on the South Shore, the trees right. aren't the trees aren't falling over, right? Right, 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 <laughs> right. And I think too, like you, you know, going back to the whole transformation idea, I think when you get into situations where you can go a little bit deeper, you like like oftentimes when someone first accepts Christ, they need tons and tons and tons of grace. Right. But as you mature in your faith, you get more into the meat, and I think that has way more to do with the truth of God's word. And so, so when people are able to to like be confront, like for instance, there's stuff in all of our lives that needs to be confronted and, and really developing deep roots in your spiritual life means a lot of the stuff in here needs to be confronted and changed. And, and I think, I think as you grow in your relationship with God, you're able to handle more of God's truth in your life, which I think in turn helps you put down deeper roots. And I think, I think a lot of ways, um, we, we don't challenge people, we don't call people out, and we don't create atmospheres for that to happen. I think that, like, if we're really going to experience authentic transformation, stuff in our life has to change. That only changes when we're confronted by God's truth. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's why the Bible, um, you know, love is emphasized all through the Bible, and, and love is obviously foundational and very, very, very important. But I, I haven't found a verse yet that said that uh, love will set you free. Uh, yeah. I, but I, but there is a verse that says you will know the truth and the truth right. will set right. you free. Set so you free. I, right. I think that like, ultimately it is the, it is the confronting of the truth that's, that's transformational. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so when we, when we read the scripture, I don't know what you do, but like, I, I think when I read something confrontational in the scripture, I have a choice of like, okay, either I have to change and line up with this, or I have to change what I think the scripture says so that it uh, yeah. lines up with me and that's always like the tough one right well, uh, lots but, of people have done the second <laughs> <laughs> but, but, when, but when you do well when you do the first that's that's where that's where change comes right so exactly, and it's not exactly it's not it's not easy to do but it's pretty it's a pretty basic concept it's pretty simple pretty simple yeah. to understand yeah. So I get. I, I think we we seem to be uh, like drawn to a conclusion here. We don't want to go on too long. Uh, we want to leave people hungry for more, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I typically would give uh, people kind of like a mic drop moment at the end. Like if you if you could say like one thing to people right now, just to kind of encourage them with where we're where we're at in uh, 2021 and in kind of in the culture and in the church and we're, you know, just where, where life is right now. If you could, uh, if you could just say one thing to people yeah. to encourage them, what, what would it be? Yeah. Just press into Jesus, like, like hunger, thirst, like have an insatiable passion for him because in times like this, like going back to that root illustration, like you need to get rooted deeply and uh, the Bible says to put your roots down deep into God's love. And so be rooted in him, because if you can withstand some of the circumstances we're in now, you're going to have strength to overcome most anything. So pursue him with all your heart, with all your passion, love him with everything you've got. And it's just a way to go. And so I just encourage you go after him and don't stop. Okay. Boom. That was it. That was the, that was the, that was, uh, that was the mic drop. Well, thanks. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to, uh, to talk and uh and uh to share and uh yeah i look forward to hearing like all the cool stuff god's going to continue to do on the south shore jay anytime man it was a blast all right okay i'm going to end the recording there jay and uh let's see. oh we're still we're still recording let me see <laughs> if i can